As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Atlantic and Coastal, the Athletic's new ACC podcast. I'm Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech beat writer for The Athletic and your host of the show. Uh, We've noticed an uptick in listeners this week and we want to say thank you. Thank you to all the people that have gone out and downloaded the show, given us five-star reviews, ratings like that. Uh, It really helps us get the word out and it's nice to see that people are out there uh, sort of taking this podcast in and, and welcoming us. We, we really appreciate that. We have a good show ahead. Uh, it is a big week for the ACC. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the Clemson-Miami game a lot. We've got Grace Rayner, our Clemson writer, uh, coming back onto the show. She's our first two-time guest on the pod, so you can tell that she's a, a great guest. Uh, at the end, we're also going to hit on some Virginia Tech-UNC, a pretty good undercard this week, you know, if you're looking at the the main event being uh, number one Clemson against number seven uh, Miami, you've got number eight, I believe UNC playing number nineteen Virginia Tech. Uh, haven't had that in a while in the ACC. This many ranked teams going up against each other in a week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how the ACC was oh so close to to owning the weekend completely. Uh, if only Florida State was just a little bit better going into that Notre Dame matchup. And of course, I have to touch on Pitt. Oh, Pitt, what happened last week? Everybody was on the bandwagon. Everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, and then Pitt went out and pulled a very Pitt-like uh, result last week against NC State that a lot of people saw coming. Some people, like our, our very own Andy Staples, uh, did not. And he has to pay the price by eating a giant scoop of mayonnaise coming up this week. So uh, never doubt uh, <laughs> the way that Pitt performs in some of these games. But the big matchup this week, as everyone knows, is Clemson against Miami. Number one versus number seven. I feel like with Florida State bottoming out lately, this is what the ACC has been waiting for, is for another team to rise up and possibly challenge the Tigers that have you know, been sitting on this throne for, for five years now. I mean, nobody has really been able to come close. Uh, this is the first time two top 10 ACC teams have met since the 2017 ACC title game. 
Uh, you might remember that is Clemson destroying number seven, Miami, 38 to three. So that's how close some of these games have been. That's how far ahead of the pack Clemson is from the rest of the ACC. Uh, you know, that's sort of been the knock on the Tigers and, and of the ACC. They say, you know, Clemson doesn't play anybody in this league. That's a very popular sentiment among the SEC fans out there who say that uh, they are the, the gauntlet. Their teams have to run the gauntlet every, every year and, and go against all these top 10 teams. I'll say this, Miami's looking pretty good. Uh, I don't know if the U is back. I'm not going to go that far and say that. But this is a team that could make this game very entertaining and interesting. Uh, and right now, I'll take interesting against Clemson because that is a team that has been making a lot of these games seem very uninteresting by how dominant his, his, it has been. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be as interesting as uh, that Lamar versus Deshaun matchup with Louisville and, and Clemson. Uh, I think that was number three versus number five back in 2016, a game that went all the way down to the wire. Uh, we can hope that it's going to be that good, that it'll be that interesting. I don't know if it's going to quite get to that point, but I do know with Miami, with the offense that they have this year, with the quarterback they have this year, De'Ara King, uh, I don't think you're going to see another 38-3 result like that 2017 ACC title game. All right, we're going to go to Grace now. She's going to give us uh, plenty of insight on this matchup. She'll be there covering it, and she covers Clemson as well as anybody out there. Okay, joining us now is Grace Rayner, two-time guest on Atlantic and Coastal. <laughs> you jumped to the top of the leaderboard. Grace, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good. This is a good week for the ACC. Uh, lots of interesting games. Uh, not just the, the marquee game, which we'll talk about here, but there's some pr a pretty good undercard game as well that I'll be at. Uh, at last, you have a game, though, that is like worthy of the hype. This is uh, Clemson, number one, playing number seven, Miami. Uh, Miami's looked pretty good this year. So far, offensively, Clemson has looked like Clemson, you know, always, always pretty solid. How excited are you? I mean, you cover so many games that are just like, this game is over at halftime. But this one very well might be over at halftime. Who knows? But... I think everybody's really excited about this one. When you get big games like this, how excited are you to cover it? Yeah, I'm super excited. So I honestly was thinking about this this week. And, you know, I started covering Clemson in October of 2016 and just kind of loosely. Um, I think that this is the biggest, most hyped up regular season game I will have covered at Clemson. I didn't cover uh, the Louisville, Clemson, Lamar, Deshaun showdown but that's everything that i've heard about what the atmosphere was like and the build-up and the lead-in it feels like this is a game of that caliber so i'm i'm pretty pumped to hopefully have something competitive to watch i was gonna i had written that in my notes that 2016 <laughs> game does this feel like that you did not cover that game though I did not cover that game. No, I, I had just started a couple of weeks after that. But I remember watching it on TV and I just I listen to people at Clemson talk about it now. And, you know, even four years later, it's still one of those nights that just goes down as one for the ages. So um, I'm hoping that this one follows suit. Well, even though you didn't cover it, you, you still followed it. and You know kind of what the vibe is right now. Does it have that feeling? Do people uh, have that feeling around this game where... Uh, you know, obviously that was a, a Louisville team that had a quarterback that could do some pretty special things. And you look at Miami and you see Derek King and you go, that guy can do some special things. This could be an interesting game. 
It does feel like that. I mean, it just, there were a lot of comparisons this week in interviews between Lamar and Derek and their similarities and how Clemson will approach him. And it just feels like, you know, this is one of those games that has national implications for Clemson. And that's how it is every week, of course. I mean, Clemson's kind of at the place now where every game matters and one slip up, you know, kind of puts them out of the driver's seat when it comes to a bigger college football playoff conversation. But this one just feels like the buzz, the hype, the the national implications, everything about it. Um, you're, I mean, you might be right. It might be over at halftime. Like we, we might be just trying to trick ourselves into this, but it feels different. It does. Well, let's go back for a second just to kind of see where Clemson comes into this game at. Uh, they beat UVA last week, 41-23. Uh, all I read about after this game is how close that game was. Uh, <laughs> are we setting the bar too high for Clemson when an 18 point win and, uh, you know, it was 18 points. Uh, it was 24, three at one point. It was nearly that at halftime or if not for a little lapse, uh, on a touchdown before, uh, halftime there, I saw Dabo's interview at halftime and he was talking like it was a funeral. Like it was the end of the world. <laughs> it was, I mean, you're still up 24 to 10 at this point. It was 41, 17, uh, late and then Virginia scores a touchdown in the final minutes. Uh, are we? Do we just have unrealistic expectations for Clemson at this point that they're going to blow everybody out and it's going to be perfect every week? It's funny you say that because that was so. You know, after the game, Trevor Lawrence comes and talks to us and he says, "You know, things are pretty good around here when we're disappointed in a in an eighteen point win when we're a little disappointed afterwards." And so it's just you know we just don't see, especially against. ACC teams, we don't see Clemson struggle that often. And so when you see them kind of let up and you see Virginia score that touchdown right before halftime and you see these things that you're just not really accustomed to with either breakdowns or miscommunications or whatever, it kind of catches you off guard a little bit. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I thought it was uh, – I thought there were a lot of things to clean up, and I think that Clemson's been very clear about how – they left a lot on the table and this is not even close to their best football, but there was also this kind of sentiment behind the scenes of, all right, we just won by 18. Like we're, we're going to be okay. Isn't this kind of what Clemson does though? Uh, slow starts, maybe not quite uh, so quick out of the gate. I'm I wrote down some things here from the last couple of years. You know, last year was, you know, Trevor Lawrence's quote unquote slow start where he had five picks in the first three games Had a close one at, at Texas A&M close one against UNC they kick things in gear and they, they end up being clumps in the rest of the year. 2018, you know, they had the handoff between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence, close game at Texas A&M. 2017, close game against Auburn in week two. 2016, close games against Auburn. Troy was in, in the contest up until the very end. <laughs> uh, I was watching highlights. Ray Ray McLeod dropped the, the punt return mm, before it got into the yes. end zone. Uh, 2015, uh, very cl- close game with an unranked Louisville uh, team. I mean, is this the new? Have we been misdefining what Clemsoning was all these years? <laughs> is this what Clemsoning is? Is they, you know, kind of work on things in that first month and then they kick it into gear and they're the the juggernaut for the rest of the season? Is is that what they are? They do have this pattern of either. I don't struggling is such a weird term when 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 you talk about Clemson, but they do seem to have this pattern where. Every year there's that one game where, you know, Dabo talks a lot about one of his sayings is leave no doubt. And it seems like every year they have one of those games where they leave some doubt. You know, last year it was North Carolina. And, you know, like you said, it just it just kind of happens. And then every year 
the following week or the following game, depending on, you know, where, where their buy falls, they just beat the door down afterwards. And it's just kind of off to the races. And so I do think that it's compelling and, and a fascinating component to this week that the quote unquote struggles that Clemson had against Virginia are coming with Miami coming to town because you know that they've heard everyone talk about how they struggled and this is kind of how this usually goes. They they hear the chatter and then they just absolutely slam the door. Was there any chance that Clemson was looking ahead? I mean, it's just human nature sometimes to see this big matchup coming up and you know everybody talked about Virginia. They lost Bryce Perkins. You know, this was a team they beat 62 to 17 last year in the ACC title game. Uh, any chance the Tigers just kind of took them lightly last week? I don't, I mean, I think, like you said, we're all humans, and I think everyone, as soon as we started to realize, hey, Miami's pretty good, we all started looking at that game, but I do think what makes Clemson successful is that the Dabo and his staff have have instilled a culture where every single week is the exact same, and I think that, that they've been really good about that. Obviously, they have, you know, support staffers who are getting a week ahead, but I do give Clemson players credit because they um, they seem to just approach everything the exact same and they've always just kind of said we're playing ourselves and we play to our own standards so I don't know that they were looking ahead I think that I think that Virginia probably deserves more credit than people are giving them I think they're going to end up being a pretty solid out for for most people but um you know as soon as the as soon as the calendar turned to this week I think everyone got pretty pumped pretty fast I think every team in the country would take an 18-point win as a a not-sharp victory uh, like the Tigers had last (laughs) week. Kind of looking in at some of uh, the results from that Virginia game, I think it's one thing to watch that was interesting to me is Brennan Armstrong ran for some yards in that game, and he's uh, sneakier than you would think as a runner. He's a a pretty good guy as a runner. I think the rest of the league is going to notice that as the rest of the year comes along. Uh, how much of a concern is that for Clemson coming into a game with Derek King, who you know he's a good runner? Everybody's seen how good of a runner he is. Yeah, so Brennan, I think he ran for 89 yards, 22 carries. I mean, they had some issues uh, containing him, and I think that that's what makes this week all the more crucial is because, like you said, like it it does not get easier this week. It gets pretty substantially harder. I mean, King, we all know what he can do with his legs. Dabo was saying that he's averaging – I think 15 yards a scramble, 5.4 yards after contact. I mean, this this dude can move. And so I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing that they're going to have to look at this week is what went wrong, how do we make sure that we contain him because, you know, Brennan's a good runner, but De'Ara King is is on a, on a next level entirely. Is that the biggest thing to shore up on the Clemson defense? I, I saw some of the quotes that Brent Venables had this week, I think, that he was talking about Miami, like they have the greatest skill players in the history of, of football <laughs> stuff. And, you know, some of this is a little uh, gamesmanship. The you know, coaches talk up the opponent like that. But uh, were they concerned at all with some of the things that came out of that UVA game or, or anything that uh, is striking to them about, about the Miami offense that, uh, you know, they worry about a little bit? I think what's striking about the Miami offense is that, you know, in addition to a sensational quarterback, uh, Brett Venables was very clear about this is the best tight end tandem he has ever seen at Clemson. And he, he joined Dabo's staff in 2012. So I think that's probably the most striking thing is this duo of Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. Uh, Clemson's going to have to figure out how to contain them as well. And so, you know, a lot of it has been, Venables was saying this week that a lot of it is, you know, your scheme is only as good as your players who execute it. And so he seems to be wanting to see more with, 
you know, eyes, alignment, communication, you know, they missed some tackles in space, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think they will shore everything up, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're, we're all talking a lot about King and rightfully so, but I, I think these tight ends are going to have a huge say in, in the pace and the direction of this game. Well, they just need to make a, a few more one-handed interceptions, and that won't, that won't turn the tide. <laughs> that was an amazing play. That was I, insane. The, I did not write down the name of the player who made that, but that was an incredible Andrew catch. Booth. Yeah, how, that was How big nuts. of a play was that? I mean, that, that was the game was a little tight at that point, but to get that in the end zone and turn it around, uh, that was a pretty impressive play. Yeah, I mean, that was... I think that was the greatest interception I've ever seen. Is that is that too far? It was Odell like only it was. only on defense. It was it was, and I think the big thing is that you know this is going to be. I think I think it'll actually be really good for Clemson secondary because Booth is a guy who kind of struggled a little bit in Week One. They had to tell him to calm down a little bit. He was a little too amped up, and he had been. He said he has said himself that um, he's just been fighting this internal confidence battle, and so I think that. What that interception did against Virginia, obviously, you know, respect it for what it was in the game. But I think just moving forward, you now have a a young cornerback who just has so much more confidence moving forward, which I think will be good for that cornerback. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think you look at Miami's offense and you'd say last year, obviously the offensive line along with quarterback was a weak spot. They, they've figured out the quarterback spot. I, I still think the offensive line can be an area that can be attacked. Uh, how's Clemson's defensive line looking? I know they've had guys come in and out, but they've had a lot of young guys, a lot of very talented young guys that have played right away. Uh, what does that unit look like right now? What, what kind of trouble could they give Miami? It's pretty remarkable when you look at what this defensive line has done and you consider that in the last two games, Clemson has been without 75% of their projected starters on that D-line with no Justin Foster, no Xavier Thomas, and then for the last two games, no Tyler Davis. And so um, they will get Tyler Davis back this week, which I think will be really big for them. But I think that the, when you look at their defensive line, it just kind of shows you the the importance of A, creating depth, and B, the recruiting trail. And, and these guys have done a really good job, especially these young freshmen coming in, these, these five stars are having to play really early and, and often. Brian Brzee got put into a starting role when, when Tyler Davis got hurt. And so, um, you know, they've been solid all around, and I think that it makes it all the more remarkable when when you consider what this line was supposed to look like and that a lot of these guys were originally just supposed to be, you know, second stringers. Do you think it matters in the long run? I mean, we do all this analyzing of stuff and then, you know, you look on one side of Clemson, they've got Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne 
And it's like, man, how do you beat those guys? I mean, they've looked pretty good this year so far. I mean, is that sort of the ultimate trump card, it seems like, with this Tigers team? (laughs) I mean, when you – it's just – even Trevor this week was saying that he when, – when Clemson coaches come in, come in and grade the film, he gets docked because he's not carrying out his fakes because he can't help but watch Travis Etienne because just what Travis is doing is just so absurd and how he's moving through contact and all this stuff. But, yeah, I mean, when you have the presumed Heisman winner, the presumed number one overall pick as your quarterback and, you know, Travis, who will go down as one of the greatest running backs in college football, you're, you know, you're, you're basically – playing from behind i don't i know it sounds mean but you are kind of playing from behind as soon as you roll up it did i read this right etn is catching passes now is this fair <laughs> this, this shouldn't be fair to the rest of college football that all of a sudden he's showing this pass catching repertoire i mean he had a couple big catches in that game that kind of got the offense going last week is this something that's been uh you know coming for him for a while as he developed this over over the years for sure, yeah. I mean, he was a guy, even Dabo said this week, like, we would not have considered throwing a pass to Travis Etienne as a freshman. I mean, he just, that was not really something that he was asked to do in high school. His hands weren't weren't super great. And, you know, he's been working each year to add something else into his game. And he's been very vocal about the fact that he wants to be a complete back. And this is 100% this, uh, this development. But yeah, I mean, they went to him on some third and longs on Saturday against Virginia. And all of a sudden, when Justin Ross's injury news came out, or with, with his uh, fusion in his spine, you looked down, and Travis Etienne was Clemson's leading uh, returning receiver. So I think they'll continue to get the ball in his hands more that way. But yeah, it is his. He's just he's honed in on everything, and he's just become even more dangerous. I think we've kind of gotten used to just Trevor Lawrence being great. Uh, it seems like he's being extremely efficient right now and has been very protective of the ball, which you know wasn't really the case early last season. Uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions this year. Uh, no interceptions the last nine games, I think. Uh, and you were among the writers that are trying to jinx this, apparently, according to <laughs> Amari Rogers. He said you guys keep bringing this up too often uh, in interviews. Uh, how has he looked? How is he just... Uh, is he a different quarterback than he was last year? Is he just a more developed quarterback? Where's he at right now? I just think he has such command of Clemson's offense and just so much poise and is plaguing like someone who knows this offense like the back of his hand. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I've been kind of paying attention to is that Trevor and Amari Rogers got together this summer and Trevor had just said straight up Amari was probably the receiver that he worked with the most this offseason and I think we're really seeing that come to fruition as we see their chemistry and their timing um but yeah Dabba was knocking on wood this week Amari was saying y'all are gonna jinx him but Trevor just extremely efficient extremely confident and, and playing the best football of his career right now. This will be an interesting challenge for him, too. I know Miami, uh, you know, always known for its pass rush, its defensive front that'll be out there. Uh, is the offensive line up to the task of keeping him clean in this game and keeping his, his jersey fresh when he's out there? That's what Dabo Sweeney thinks is going to decide this game. Is He said, if I was a fan, you know, just watching in the stands, I would zero in on, on DL versus OL. Um, this, I mean, this week is going to no doubt be the biggest challenge of the season for Clemson and right tackle Jordan McFadden and left tackle Jackson Carmen. I mean, these guys are... These guys are as good as it gets. And so I think that that's, um, that's something that I want to see because we heard so much about 
Clemson's offensive line losing all these starters, but then they came in and they've been really good and Clemson's been super pleased. But like this is this is the time where the task is really coming and I'm I'm curious to see how they hold up um, against a, a Miami front that, like you said, is <laughs> is not shy about getting pressure. Well, Miami might have caught a bit of a break in that they're playing this game in a pandemic, so they're not going to have a full house in Death Valley. Uh, I think you were telling us 19,000 fans is what they're allowing in, uh, which is a little bit less than a quarter full of the stadium. Uh, I, I watched on TV, or I watched the replay of the Virginia Clemson game, and you know the fans are in very neat lines. They're very separated in the crowd there. Uh, I'm curious how difference, how big of a difference that makes when you have a, a quarter capacity crowd versus 80 plus thousand. Uh, I have to imagine that is maybe a little bit more beneficial to the road team than having to deal with just, you know, this wall of sound that you can't hear anything when you're, when you're trying to operate. Yeah. For communication wise, I think that obviously it's, it's going to, to help them out. I mean, Death Valley just, I don't, I probably don't have to tell you this. It gets extremely loud when there's 81,000 people in there just going nuts. And so they've pumped in some crowd noise and, and it's still pretty loud, but for sure, when you're, when you're working with a crowd that is already 75% smaller, I, I think that makes things easier from the get-go. I have to say, 19,000 would still make a difference, though. I, I covered yeah, a game, for sure. I covered a game last week, Virginia Tech at Duke, and Duke allowed nobody in. Like, not relatives, not ushers, not family, not, like nothing. The only people who were there, it, it was people in the press box, the players on the field and then cardboard cutouts all over the field. They actually had a little like pet section behind the Virginia tech bench where it was just like, I don't know if you, if you buy a cutout for your pet, that's where they put it, I guess. That's but, uh, awesome. So it was just a bunch of like dogs that were cut out uh, behind the awesome. bench there, but it was so quiet that you know, Duke had an open air press box. I didn't realize that going there it was a little bit you know breezier than I would have uh, dressed for on the occasion, but <laughs> you could hear everything the Virginia Tech sideline was saying. I mean, just like crystal clear, Bill Tierlink, the, the defensive line coach, can project. His voice can project very well. So we're sitting there, like every big play, you could just hear him like scream. He's like, third, effing down. Like it just comes across the field as clear as possible. And then Duke, you know, Duke did, pumped in some crowd noise and they had sort of these, you know, it was like I was at the club. There were so many like hip hop songs in between. I'm guessing David Cutcliffe did not choose the musical set list for that. But. Uh, man, it, it was a different environment when you're in there and there's just nobody. So I have to imagine some fans, uh, you know, bring a little bit of juice to this whole thing. What, what did players say after like the Virginia game, for instance, or, or playing in front of that kind of crowd? Do they notice a difference? Is, have they said anything about, uh, you know, what it's like or are they at this point, do they kind of block that stuff out? The biggest thing that they've just said is just expressing gratitude that they get to have fans. You know, I think Clemson players are very uh, aware of the fact that this is not something that's happening at every school. So there's they've just been grateful for it. Obviously, they would like to have the full 80, but it, it was funny this week because they were talking about how Brian Brzee apparently gets gets kind of nervous running down the hill and playing in front of these fans. And they've been like, Brian, I mean, if you're nervous with 20,000, like you should see this place at 80,000. So they were giving him a little bit of a hard time, but I think they're having fun with it. That's a nice way for a freshman to ease in. I mean, they're probably right. used to playing like 5,000 max, right? I, we, is right. He, he's from Georgia. Where's he from? He's from Damascus, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. So they might mm-hmm. be decent crowds in Maryland, but that, but you know, there's a big difference between like 4,000 and 80,000. So right. For sure. <laughs> 
Uh, I looked at the line on this game, 14-point line. What do you think of that? Is it, that? That's a big number, but I've, I feel like Clemson gets big numbers all the time. I think it was 28 last week against UVA. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily want you to make a prediction, but do you think this game has the potential to be close? Uh, can Miami stick with this team, or is this another one where we're going to build it up, build it up, build it up, and all of a sudden Clemson take care, takes care of business, and we go, oh, yeah, that's right. Clemson is, is the king of the <laughs> ACC, and there's a reason for that. I think I change my mind about this every day. Um, today, it's that I I think that it's probably appropriate, and I I just I don't know that I'll be surprised either way. I don't I don't know that I'll be surprised if it's close because I think Miami is a really good team, and obviously Clemson coaches have raved about them in the way that they have for a reason. But I also just think the gap between Clemson and everyone else right now is just so huge that when they do still crush these you know marquee opponents, we're not all that surprised so I guess I I guess I think it's fair I don't know what's your what's your outsider take on it I don't know this is the year that I am just like I don't want to make predictions on any game like I've I've (laughs) covered a team that's missed 23 and 21 players in this first two games so and and last week it was basically the entire starting secondary so um I don't know if you're a gambler this year like I don't know how you do it Godspeed to all of you. It's very impressive. I mean, you you either have a system or inside knowledge or a problem because I don't don't know how you come up with with, uh, opinions about all these games, but uh, I don't know. Something about me about this just tells me like we've we've built up Miami this is it they've had the bye week they have the offense coming out they haven't played anybody like Clemson yet and that is a whole different level of challenge I just think that Clemson is you know the king stay the king it's still up there until I see somebody go out there and and beat them and what is it 24 straight ACC wins that they've had uh yeah I feel like big games are the ones that they get up for it's one like like if they played, you know, the loss that they had to pit a couple years ago or something where maybe they didn't see it coming. I feel like maybe that is the way that you catch them is if they don't see it coming. They they get prepared for these big games, right? Yeah, I think too, I was talking to our Miami writer, Manny Navarro, about this, and I just asked him straight up, like, is Miami back? Yes or no? And he his take was kind of similar. He was like, they're not back right now because we haven't seen them play someone of Clemson's caliber. You go into Clemson on the road and and hang in and or beat them, okay, we can have that conversation, but I don't think he's ready to quite declare them officially back yet. Well, Clemson is a national program, so we should probably take a, a national angle at this. Our, our producer here, John Hayes, a, a noted SEC-biased person, one, wanted me to bring up Alabama. Uh, he, says, <laughs> he said it's the elephant in the room. It's the red elephant in the room uh, with Clemson. Uh, is, it, is all this just a precursor to getting to Clemson-Alabama part whatever it is at this point? Whatever it is. What would it be? It would be it five? 15, 16, 17, 18, part five, right? Yeah. 15, somebody somebody will tweet at us if that's wrong. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, we'll get, yeah, our mentions will be going nuts. But um, it kind of feels like it, right? I mean, I mean, this season is, is weird, as we know, and anything can happen. And obviously the virus is everyone's opponent, so you don't really know what's going to happen until you get that text message on Saturday morning saying who's available and who's not. But it does feel like we're just kind of building right back up to, okay, we had one year without Clemson, Alabama, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's going to go much longer than that. I don't know. It could be completely wrong, and people, I'm sure, will pull this up in four months and put us all over freezing cold takes, but it feels like it right now. Is that boring? I mean, is that bad for football that 
it kind of boils down to two teams all the time. I, I don't know what Clemson fans think about that. Or, I, you know, I don't cover Alabama either. So I, I'm not sure if those teams just go, well, that's the only team that, that's our peer that we could ever judge ourselves against. I'm just, you know, one of these other people out there in college football is like, this one again, can we have something a little bit of variety? But what do, what do Clemson fans, what is kind of the pulse of Clemson Nation about, uh, you know, it's them and Alabama and, you know, they kind of trade back and forth every couple of years. I think Clemson fans are still very much enjoying the ride and and just love the fact that this has been a, a build under Dabo and now they're they're in it every single year and I think that there's probably a little bit of a of a rivalry that's been established but I also think that you know Clemson fans think that it's good when college football like I think there's a lot of fans excited about this weekend I know players and coaches have said this like it's good for the ACC it's good for college football when a team like Miami is good you know it it just makes it more fun it makes it more interesting so I think at the end of the day they probably love the fact that they're when they are winning they're they're beating the best of the best in Alabama and Nick Saban Uh, but I don't think that they would completely shy away from you know some other programs stepping it up a little bit, making this thing a little bit more interesting. Well, this is a, an ACC podcast, so I'll get one big picture question into you about the ACC before we go here. What has been the biggest surprise to you in the first couple of weeks in this league? Any, anything that's stood out for you that uh, maybe you didn't expect or maybe it was you know more striking than you would have thought? I think the biggest surprise for me is that when this ACC schedule came out, everyone who is a fan of Clemson circled one game and one game only really and it was Clemson Notre Dame on November 7th and here we are recording this podcast on October 7th and Clemson Miami seems to have way more buzz than obviously Clemson Notre Dame is down the line but I guess I just I guess that's been my biggest surprise is that this game is the one that has the national attention the hype the the top 10 feel to it I think that we all just thought Clemson would breeze through everything and we would keep our eyes on Notre Dame, but there's a formidable opponent in the middle. So I guess that's probably my biggest surprise. Yeah. I think that second tier of ACC teams has surprised me. Uh, Obviously Miami with that offense better than I thought. I think everybody expected Notre Dame there. This North Carolina, Virginia tech game this week is going to be really interesting. And I know Virginia tech hosts Clemson later in the season. Uh, You know, Pitt, pulled a pit last week but they look pretty good I mean I, I still think that's a team uh to reckon with did they play they play Clemson later in the season correct they do mm-hmm. okay so that's another one that uh, you know there's a history there uh, that could be an interesting challenge as well I just think it's I think it's a better league than it's been in the last couple of years and and that makes things a lot interesting I don't know if that means anybody will uh, you know topple Clemson this year it might be Clemson at the top again but uh, things are certainly a lot more interesting. Starting with this week, uh, a big game in my in in Clemson against Miami. It should be a fun one. Uh, I'm happy for you, Grace, that you get to cover a game that's <laughs> a little more interesting than than all these other ones. Where you're like, oh, how am I going to pick a story out of another 30 point win? Uh, I hope it's an exciting one. Maybe we could have a repeat of uh, Clemson Louisville from 2016, and you get to write about a, a thrilling finish, and it, it goes down to the wire. I would love that. I'm always so jealous of people like you, our coastal writers, who just, like, every single weekend, you have no idea what's going to happen, right? Like, you just kind of have to show up with, it could be just utter chaos at any moment. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you, yeah, you, you go sounds, out there. It looks like so much fun. You go out there and you're like, I don't even know if the coach is going to wear pants when he's out there. Who knows if that's <laughs> what the, the story is going to be. Uh, you can come over to the dark side next year when they, they get back to the divisions and, and join us in our coastal coverage. 
Yeah, the coastal just, I love, the coastal's just very near and dear to my heart. It's just, it's so beautifully wacky all the time. Okay, well, thank you, Grace. Uh, clearly our favorite guest ever, two-time uh, participant <laughs> here. Uh, everybody go out and follow Grace on Twitter. Uh, it's at GM Rayner. Uh, you'll be there. Manny Navarro will be there uh, covering the game on Saturday. You guys are going to have great coverage, I'm sure. And, you know, the, the whole nation will be watching. This is the game of the week, I think. I know there's some SEC games, too. But, you know, when number one plays a top 10 team, I think everybody's going to be watching. For sure. For sure. I'm excited about it. All right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, thanks again to Grace for joining us. Always enjoy when she comes on the podcast. Great insight, great humor. Uh, she covers the Tigers very well here. Now let's turn to the undercard in this matchup. Uh, I am not a big boxing guy, so I don't know how to, uh, to compare this, how, how I would describe this in, in a boxing sense. Maybe an inter- intercontinental title match in wrestling from that sense. Uh, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. This is a pretty interesting game. Uh, these two teams are sort of up-and-comers in the ACC, back on the rise. I don't think either anybody's quite giving them their full due yet, and, you know, that's probably warranted. They haven't gone out and beaten anybody this year that, that's make you, made you take notes and go, oh, this team is for real. Uh, but, you know, these two played a six-overtime thriller last year. Uh, they're both ranked coming into this year, UNC top 10. Maybe a little bit higher than I'd have them right now, Virginia Tech top 20. Again, I'd like to see them beat somebody other than NC State or Duke before I really think they're for real. But this is the game. I mean, whoever comes out of this one, I think we'll get that stamp of, uh, you know, this team has a chance to do something in the ACC. Uh, Virginia Tech has held the edge in this one recently. 4-0 under Justin Fuente against UNC, but the last couple games have been so close. I've, I've covered all these games. Uh, 2018, you know, UNC was not a great team that year. Virginia Tech was not a great team that year. Uh, that went down to the very end. Uh, a fumble at the goal line by UNC. Virginia Tech comes back 98 yards the other way. Uh, very tight game. And then last year, uh, you don't play six overtimes and not have both sides have a real chance to win that game. Uh, some interesting things with this game coming in. Virginia Tech has the top rushing offense 
in the ACC, number three in the country behind a couple service academies, averaging 320-some yards a game. UNC has the number one rushing defense in the game. I don't think this was a storyline that anybody imagined uh, coming into this game that was going to be something going on. But, you know, I think, I think we'll get a sense of which one of these two things are real. Who's got a, an actual running game or an actual run defense in this one? Uh, you've got a possibly depleted Virginia Tech secondary that, you know, did not have three of their starters last week and, and their top four cornerbacks when all was said and done and somehow patched together things to beat Duke. Well, Sam Howell and, and UNC's receivers are a lot better than Duke. So that's something uh, that could, that could uh, play out here as well. There's possibly rain in the forecast. I think I saw 40% chance the other day. Uh, you know, fans of, of both teams quite remember that 2016 game in the hurricane that uh, you, Virginia Tech won 34 to three, a dominant performance. But everybody always says, ah, oh, but it was in the slop of the rain like that. Uh, and, and I think an added fact, you know, I think these coaches are pretty cordial to each other, but I don't think these teams like each other very much. I, I know that UNC is a team that Virginia Tech fans do not like quite a bit. I don't know if that feeling is reciprocal from US, UNC fans, but you know, with the tightness of these games the last couple of years, I think this has the potential to be a very, very interesting game coming up. Uh, noon start, I don't know if they did that uh, because they were worried this game might go six overtimes again and, and bleed into the later hours. Uh, I haven't heard anybody deny that fact either. So, you know, it, it'll be a very interesting game and a nice way to start your day. Second point, I, I think the ACC could have really owned this weekend. Uh, it's pretty good right now with Virginia Tech, UNC, Clemson, Miami late. But, oh, the opportunity that was missed here. Notre Dame and Florida State is a night game as well. I mean, if you would have picked this, you know, five years ago or, or based on the historical standard of these programs, you go, man, Clemson and Miami and Notre Dame and Florida State on the same night. Uh, and then you, you see Florida State being so bad this year. Uh, you know, they beat Jacksonville State last week. Didn't look all too impressive doing it. Uh, I think they've got a, a tough road coming up here against these Power 5 opponents. Uh, Notre Dame, 21-point favorite in that game. I think I would probably take the Irish based on how things have gone. But what a missed opportunity for the ACC to just completely own this weekend. Texas-Oklahoma is going on this weekend. That game is not what it was uh, when people thought coming into the year, Oklahoma coming in with a couple of losses. Uh, and the SEC is back. And, you know, you look at the games that the SEC has. Number four, Florida against number 21, Texas A&M. Number 14, Tennessee at number three, Georgia. And then at night, you know, I, I don't think this will be a close game, but Alabama against Ole Miss has the Lane Kiffin storyline. So uh, now all of a sudden the ACC feels like it's sharing the day uh, with its matchups compared to the SEC. I thought just, you know, one more little game there with a little more juice. I think this could have been just an absolute banner weekend for the ACC as it is uh, still a pretty good weekend. Last point here, uh, Pitt. Oh, what happened? I think everybody was all aboard the pit bandwagon, started to say, this team is for real, this defense is for real. Uh, what happens, go out and pull a very pit-like performance in the 30-29 to loss to NC State. Uh, that sort of seems like classic pit. Uh, I, I guess maybe we should have seen that coming. Who didn't see that coming? Uh, my colleague Andy Staples, who, who made a bet for nothing, by the way, just sort of you know, you know was not prodded into this just said, you know, it's not like there's $100 on the line the other way that he got if he was right, but he said that, no, Pitt is for real, and they're not going to lose this game, and if they lose this game, I am going to eat a giant spoonful of mayo. 
Um, he hates mayo. That is probably like tuna fish to me. I, I, I'm just not a fan of that. I'm not quite why, sure why Andy went straight to 11 on that one and, and just cranked up the, the stakes for, for no particular reason on his podcast. But, uh, you know, you better tune in Friday because he will be scooping a large, uh, a large heaping handful of, of, you know, Dukes, I think is that the preferred uh, brand of mayo. Uh, that should be something to watch on Friday. But Pitt, I think the thing that was interesting about that game is, you know, the defense sort of let them down. You know, Devin Leary threw for 336 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, you know, NC State handled Pitt's pressure pretty well. Pitt had two sacks, but I think Leary stood tall in the pocket and, and threw, you know, had some big uh, completions there that that ended up winning the game. You know, we, we sort of rag on Pitt's offense, but Pitt's offense went down and scored. Uh, in the final minutes there, gave it a 29-23 lead. And then, you know, NC State turns around and goes 79 yards in a minute and a half uh, to win it with 23 seconds left. So, you know, I think everybody kind of thought, hey, this is a different pit. This defense is 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 legit out there. It's going to be a handful for people every week. And it is. It still will be. But they go out there and, and they have a result like this. And you go, man, they just can't seem to get over that hump. Uh, now watch in a couple of weeks, Pitt will go out and beat Miami and Notre Dame and, and you know, complete the full pit. But uh, for right now, that has to be a little bit of a disappointing result for Panthers fans. All right, that's going to do it for this show. That's another one in the books. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for going out and rating and reviewing the, the podcast. You go you go on Apple, you go on Spotify, you go on Stitcher. They always give you the little option there to, to give it a number of stars on it. When you give us five stars on a review, that tells us that we're doing something right uh, and that you enjoy it. And it helps get the word out to other people that, that might enjoy it as well. I know there's a big, uh, large swath of ACC fans out there. Uh, let's get them on board. Let's get them doing <laughs> Let's get them uh, in tune with this Atlantic and Coastal podcast. Uh, you know, I think we're going to try some things coming up here with some, uh, you know, mailbag possibilities. Take some reader questions uh, as a chance for people to come on. And you know, you know, maybe I don't hit the teams that they want me to hit on all the time. But uh, you can come on, ask me a question. If it's good enough, I'll answer it. Uh, I'm sure people have some thoughts on my opinions on the show as well. I love to hear it. I'll take the feedback any way we can get it. Any way we can sort of juice the. Uh, the uh, the back and forth on here i like it so yeah that'll be, be up soon we'll, we'll let you know how to do that and get in touch with the, po- the podcast uh soon but in the meantime you know keep listening keep reviewing keep rating keep telling friends about the podcast we enjoy it uh if you're not a subscriber to the athletic you should do so now you can listen ad free on the athletic uh you know subscribe at the athletic.com slash acc pod we have a one dollar subscription deal going right now uh, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last, but it's going to last a little bit longer. So take advantage of that while you still have a chance. All right, that's going to do it. I'm Andy Bitter. You can follow me on, at AndyBitterVT on Twitter. I'll be at a pretty good game this weekend. Hopefully I'll wrap up all my writing so I can watch a very good game this weekend. Uh, Miami against uh, Clemson should be an enjoyable one. We'll talk to you next week.